They say this is a big rich town I just come from the poet's part Bright light city life, I gotta make it, this is where it goes down Hello everyone, this is Gary A. Swaby And we are finally back with the Powercast And today we are going to be recapping Power Book 2 Ghost Season 3 Episode 1 your perception, your reality. That is a, a very big mouthful to say. Uh, they need to shorten the, the title of these shows a little bit. But, you know, I'm joined today by um, R- Mr. Richard Bailey Jr. How are you doing, Rich? Doing good, Gary. What's up, listeners and viewers? What's up, indeed? And I'm also joined by Miss Dana Abercrombie. How are you doing, Dana? I am doing wonderful. Excited to see the power cast casting. Uh, missed this show. I didn't know how much I missed this show until I heard that theme song again. Yeah, yeah, they get me with that every time. Like whenever I hear the OG theme, I'm I'm like hyped up. Like wow, power's back. <laughs> it's really power. But yeah, um, this is an exciting time. Of course, power is back on TV. You know, we haven't seen anything since Raising Canaan, which was a great season last year but uh we've had quite quite the break and uh you know there's been some other shows there's been bmf uh snowfall is currently back on as well but you know power there's nothing quite like power and the power cast like this is a very special show for us and i know that the fans you know very much enjoy uh you know this show and, and our critique of uh you know the series and everything so it's great to be back and, you know, I hope the people also return and give us, you know, their takes on uh, everything that happens on the show, because it's definitely going to be an, in- an interesting season. I feel like there's going to be a lot to talk about. So, you know, I can't wait to, to see what the people are saying on this uh, episode. Um, so, yeah, the way this is going to work is we're going to we're going to do our takeaways where each of us kind of um, talk about the things that stood out to us in this episode and then we're going to have our questions and discussions segment after where we have more of a back and forth about you know the, the, the different topics and do a deep dive on, on what we think is going to happen and what we think certain uh plot points mean i guess so yeah uh before we get into our takeaways just a quick reminder if you do enjoy listening you know you can leave a comment below you can respond to us you know if there's something I say that sounds crazy. You can, you know, rebut all that in the comments or you can, you know, give your own perspective on some of the things you think are coming this season. Um, Please do also hit the like button on the video. That's very important. And it helps us, you know, to grow uh, as, you know, a channel so that we're able to do more of this and cover more shows in the future. And also hit the subscribe button and hit the bell icon also. And, you know, you could even take some time to check out the Coalition Entertainment channel because Dane has been putting in a lot of hard work over there. So definitely go check out some of the stuff that's over there. And uh, we also have the Coalition Gaming channel, you know. So definitely check those out if those interest you. So that's the house cleaning done. Let's get straight into power now. And uh, this week, I'm going to let Dana go first. So... Miss Dana Abercrombie, Abercrombie, sorry, please. Abercrombie. (laughs) I've been talking too long already, you know, I'm stumbling on my words, but uh, Miss Dana Abercrombie, please take over 
with your takeaways. All right. So I miss doing this. Every big takeaway for me starts off with the lesson that is being taught in Stansfield, most specifically in their philosophy class. And this one is about perception versus reality. It follows the philosopher Gustav Flubert, where it states that there is no truth, there is only perception. What does that really mean? And so it means that perception and reality have very different meanings. Who you say you are as a person is much different than what the world sees about you. And this is very important, not just for the character of Tariq, but also for Brayden as they try to expand or even forced to expand their business enterprise so that they stay alive. You know, Tariq has always spent his time trying to tell people he is not his father's son in terms of the drug dealers that people have seen his father. Bash once said, you know, oh, he may wear a suit, your Tom Ford suit. But at the end of the day, he was a drug dealing, killing man. You know, that is who he is. He is, no matter how much the world wants to perceive him as this big, bald black man in this beautiful suit, expensive clothing with a nice house and a beautiful family, to what he really is, is just a drug dealer. And he stated also this to Tariq, that you are just like your father, except for you just wear a sweatshirt. Also going with Zeke. Zeke Cross, you know, was a great student. He was an athlete. People saw him as maybe could be the next Michael Jordan, someone you look up to, an icon. And then we saw his downfall and then eventually his death. And so for this season or this episode particularly, Tariq is trying to change the perception of both himself and also Zeke. Then we have in Brayden who comes along, you know, white guy, rich as money, but at the same time, you can say he's given everything. But the one time that he truly felt that he earned something was when he had course correct. It was something he helped to create. He put his time and his effort in. And this was something that really meant something to him that wasn't given to him. So these are all different perceptions that they're trying to put out into the world. But people are really questioning it. Who are you? as you are the person who you think you believe as opposed to what the reality or what people believe you are by based on what you put out in the world. Hope I'm making sense that I didn't stumble there. Another big thing for me is we get into the Wolf of Wall Street of succession. We've now expanded in the drug enterprise and we're going into Wall Street. What's very interesting is that you know, with this world and also with perception, you may view Wall Street as, you know, no, this is legit. This is legal. These are people with money. They've worked hard for their careers. Yet they're doing the exact same thing as, say, the drug dealers do, Tariq does, but without a license. So we perceive them differently, even though it's the same thing. They end up with, we all can see, and we've known from the trailer, those worlds intersect. But who's going to perceive them more as being the bad guy versus the good guy? Is it going to be the black kid in the hoodie or is it going to be the white guys with the suits on who work in Wall Street? So this was another big takeaway thing for me as well. Also with this, we have kind of only sticking to three. What's really also stuck out, stuck out to me is the family of the Dehada family. 
where after Zeke's death, you know, we know what really happened with Zeke. We know who killed Dante and what really happened in that situation. And so we have this underlying kind of with Tahada, the, the lies, probably the cover up. He's kind of skimming over certain things, but also not wanting to show his cards and saying, you know, it was me after all. Um, so there is a lot of deception that is at play and also a lot of anger and, and nervousness about it. So I think watching the Sahada family and also being able to see that Monet is giving them more freedom, especially comes with the penthouse. You know, you go and live over here. That would have never happened in season one. Remember how tight knit she wanted everything to be? I didn't even think they were allowed to have cell phones back then. You know, everything was very strict. So to kind of see the family separating a little bit, having to go their different ways, and to know that there are still the the underlining kind of elements from last season carried over to this makes this even more juicier. And so I like what they've done with the season so far, well, episodes so far, and more to come. That's all? That's all. Okay. You said you said three. Yeah, three. But I, I didn't three. expect it. I didn't expect it to be uh, you know, that brief. But but yeah, that that's great takeaways. I mean, if you um, want me to monologue. Oh no, no, we'll 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 definitely get to that. Uh, you know, in the next mm-hmm. segment, so you know you can expand more on everything. So, but yeah, great takeaways so far. Great observations. Uh, I'm definitely you know the whole Tahada dynamic. It's going to be interesting to see unfold because um, uh, with uh, Lorenzo in particular, like I remember when he seemed like this big bad dude who was in prison and now he's out and it's like he's kind of like he just he just runs behind Monet basically like he's 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 real suppressed. (laughs) Yeah, so um, I'm I'm, I'm real interested to see like how that dynamic goes because obviously he killed Zeke. uh, So and he's it's it's like he's in living fear right now of Monet, so it's kind of funny to watch. But um, yeah, so uh, let's hear from Mr. Richard Bailey Jr. next. Let's uh, get your thoughts. Are you ready to go, Rich? Or you want me yeah. to go? Okay. Oh no, I'm I'm good. All right. Uh, so yeah. First and foremost, uh, excellent takeaways by Dana as always. Uh, so I also have three takeaways from this episode. Uh, first and foremost, I just want to say I really liked and appreciate how they started this season out in terms of introducing this new character named Noma. Uh, we do know that this season takes place three months after season two, and the focus at the very beginning is on Mecca's stolen 4.5 carat blue diamond ring, which is sold in an auction for $5,500,000. That's a hell of a lot of money. But yes, I like how they introduced Noma the way they did, where there is a guy that does purchase the ring so he can propose to his girlfriend. He does so, and then Noma shows up, and she cuts the chit-chat very short, literally and figuratively, by cutting this woman's hand off, and then they kill the guy. So I thought that was an excellent way to introduce the character. We do see later in this episode she does come to the penthouse that – you know, Tariq Braden and uh, Kane are at. And basically, 
they basically talked themselves into trying to become her new distro. So we will see how that uh, turns out. We also find out that the character, she was, the you know, that, that uh, basically Mecca was her first lieutenant. Uh, the drugs belonged to her and that she was also his fiance. Now, I find that to be very interesting because we know that Mecca was very much into Monet last season. They have a history together. Obviously, Zeke was their son. But yet, we didn't hear anything about this other character until after the fact. So Mecca definitely was a player, it, it would have seen, from what I have seen in this first episode. You know, obviously, they'll go into more, I think, as far as their history as the show goes on. But um, yeah, so now, basically, as the new person that Tariq and them have to deal with, she does give them 30 days to make a profit. So I look forward to seeing how that storyline plays out. Obviously, this is power. So uh, they go run into some issues working together. But I look forward to seeing. But I have to give them props on how they introduce the character because there's enough intrigue. And they made her look very overpowering, very, very dangerous. So uh, I want to see how they deal with this character because I don't feel as though they're going to be able to dispose of her as quickly as they did with Mecca last season. So good job on that. My second takeaway is about Tariq in this episode. Uh, he is starting a new semester at Stansfield. Uh, we do see that Tariq wants to stay in Stansfield so he can eventually get that money that he was promised from ghosts. And of course, he wants to reunite with Yaz and Tasha. Now, whether or not that happens, we shall see. But in the meantime, he has to deal with the reality that he that uh, he's being kicked out of his room that he was in with Brayden. Brayden, by the way, has been suspended indefinitely because he confessed to being the one behind course correct. So there had to be consequences. Uh, we do see at the beginning of this episode, Effie tells uh, Tariq that she might not be able to transfer. Uh, and obviously, uh, Tariq is... He, he's, he's, he's set back by that because, again, Effie has been the only one that's been in his corner, been spending all this time with him over the summer, so on and so forth. So he's concerned about that, and I assume that at some point we're going to find out what happens with that relationship as things progress throughout the season. Uh, but moving on from there, he does run into Sebastian, a.k.a. Bash. And Bash, of course, because he knows what happened with Course Correct. And because he was involved in all of this and he didn't know all the stuff that was happening behind the scenes, he does threaten Tariq saying that he will go to the police, but he, but Hey, he can be paid off as long as Tariq gets him the money within seven days. Okay. So again, this is a uh, power. So, you know, this time could pass very quickly. So we have to acknowledge that. So he says in seven days. Now what ends up happening later in this episode is that, uh, Basically, Tariq does end up going to uh, Bash again after his whole interaction with, with, with Noma and the fact that he now has to work for her. He basically goes back to Bash later in this episode, says, hey, I, I have something else going on here. You know, I can offer you sweat equity, e um, excuse me, sweat equity. There you go. Yeah. He says that he can offer him that. Obviously, Bash didn't was very offended by that. And they get into a disagreement. And again, Tariq decides it's time to take Bash out. So Tariq catches a body in the first episode, which I find funny because when we saw that season trailer, they and they showed that. I didn't know that was going to happen in the first episode. So there's a lot happening already in the show, which is great. Uh, of course, nobody is going to be looking for Sebastian because he supposedly stole all this money 
from his former lover. Uh, so clearly they're going to get it. They, they, I feel like they will get away with that, but let's see what happens as the season progresses. Uh, in the meantime, we also do see the side story of Tariq talking to Davis McLean and basically trying to get some information on who Noma is. Davis, of course, comes at him and says, hey, well, you know, I like the fact that you pay on time. And then Tariq says, well, no, I know that you are the one that auctioned off this jewelry. So if you don't want me to say anything to Noma, you, we're gonna, you're going to just do this. For, you're going to just do this for free. And, you know, my discretion is your form of payment. So we shall see what happens. In the meantime, Davis also has some things that he has to deal with in regards to his brother. We're probably going to get into that a little bit later. But obviously, I still like the dynamic of Tariq interacting with Davis. And of course, we know from last season that Sachs also is working with Davis, but he does have an ulterior motive because he wants to also take down Davis. So I look forward to seeing how that storyline unravels as the season goes on. So stay tuned for that. And finally, my final takeaway from this episode, uh, and this is obviously about the Tejada family. Once again, I believe Dana already mentioned a lot on what's happening with these characters. But uh, one thing that I did want to mention uh, is that, we know, in this episode, we do find out uh, that uh, Diana does end up going to Stansfield. You know, they do mention that Lorenzo was able to cover room and boards. She's able to go there, which I actually don't have an issue with because she already was hanging around at Stansfield a lot last season. So for her to actually go there, I'm totally fine with that. But uh, let me just say this right now. Uh, the reason why my name is the Stanfield admissions rep, because I did play a role in getting her in there quickly. You know, I, we, we have to progress the storyline fast, you know, because this is power. Things have to happen at a quick pace. So while, I'm, while, while I am fine with uh, her getting into Stansfield, I do think if I was to critique one thing, a lot of stuff happened very quickly with her to get into the same class as Tariq and all the other students. Because did we not met, did, did, did it not did we not hear in this same conversation that Professor Harper Bennett, who they introduced, did she not say, "Oh yes, I had a lot of these students on a list. They had they had to get on the waiting list to get into that class." So I kind of find it very uh, convenient that she ends up in the same class, and I also find it convenient how uh, somehow Diana has all this power to put to to organize this memorial service for Zeke. Okay, I think. As I told Gary earlier, that's something that you could have built up over the season. That didn't all need to happen in the first episode because who is Diana? How is how important is she to Stansfield? I, I kind of feel like they give her all this power to say she can do all of this. And it, right as soon as she gets there as well, that's a little unrealistic. But with that said, again, very entertaining first episode. Um, I like the fact that they have all of this stuff happening with the family dynamic. And then, of course, to finish off my takeaway, we do have that final conversation that Monet has with Tariq at the end of the episode where she says, hey, Tariq, if you know something about what happened to Zeke, you would tell me, right? And Tariq says, yes. While they're having that conversation, you see Lorenzo was looking and then he walks off. Lorenzo is going to be sweating most of this season because Monet was very clear to him. Yes, you need to do you need you need to find out who was behind this, who killed Zeke. We know what happened with, with Zeke last season. We know that Lorenzo is behind all of that. So I can't wait to see what happens when Tariq does find out that Lorenzo was involved. And he has to tell Monet that. What is going to happen? That's why I say it's a lot of dynamics happening. So I look forward to seeing how the season unravels. Uh, and, of course, 
Lauren is alive. So uh, a lot of things, a lot of things to, to dive into. But uh, overall, I thought it was a, a pretty good first episode. Uh, a lot of things did happen at a fast pace, but I want to see how they progress from here. Because uh, I'm just glad to see that the characters are back. Like you said, Gary, we haven't had power in quite some time. So I, I, I am generally, I'm very much excited that for the show to be back. But I want to see how they handle this season because we know that Courtney Courtney Kemp is no longer the showrunner. So uh, we'll see what happens. But good job so far, I would say. Very entertaining. Oh, yeah, indeed. Uh, excellent takeaways from uh, Mr. Richard Berry Jr., always ob observant. And, uh, yeah, I, I agree with uh, a lot of your sentiments as I'm about to get into. Um, uh, I think two of my takeaways are quite similar to, to what you had in yours. So, you know, I guess I'll hop right into mine so then, you know, I could kind of uh, touch on what you said also. So, uh, first of all, Noma's introduction, you know, Noma, the new, the new connect, the new villain. Excellent. Excellent job. This was like, you know, I felt like I was watching a movie with that introduction to the character, you know, so uh, they did a great job setting her character up for this season because, you know, now I'm, I'm like in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, Tariq can't deal with that, you know, Tariq, Kane, you know, all of them, they, they can't deal with, with somebody that crazy, you know, and she's got T'Challa in her corner. Um, and you know he's he's not called T'Challa. I'm sorry, but uh, but he she's got that the other dude, you know, the Afri with the African accent. So you know, I, I I like the presentation of how they're presenting this character, um, and I think they did a great job. It's it's good to have you know some British folk in there also, you know, representation and everything. So um, I think they did a great job. And uh, the thing that I was wondering, you know, after seeing this episode, is like. Oh, so so her and Monet are gonna have some beef sooner or later because obviously Mecca, you know, he was uh kind of dealing with Monet, like you know, they were very close, they had a whole child together and everything. Um, and Mecca was also supposedly engaged to to Noma at the same time. So when these characters run into each other, it's gonna be like very interesting to see. Like I, I think there's gonna be some some friction for sure. And you already see in this episode that, um, you know, after Noma kind of forces them to, to, to kind of uh, make money for her and everything and take over Mecca's operation, like uh, Kane, when Kane's telling Monet that she's, she's already like, oh, I thought I was getting out the game. And now, you know, it looks like we're back in the game now. So she's already kind of unhappy with the situation. So I can't wait until these two characters have a scene together because that's going to be very interesting, I think. Um, second takeaway. Um, now, I, I agree with what Rich was saying. Um, things moved very fast in this episode. Like so many, like I feel like six months worth of plots happened in, in one episode. Like, you know, so by the end of the season, five years would have passed in the story or something like, because <laughs> it's, it's, it's just going so fast. Like, so uh, you had you had Drew and Kane moving in together. Cool. Um, you had um, you had uh, you had Effie, Diana and, you know, Braden's sister all kind of being in, you know, in the same college with Tariq and being in the same class even. Um, and then, you know, you get introduced to the new character, the TA, Tylene, Tylene, uh, I think his name is. Um, and it already seems like there's some relationship blossoming with him and, uh, 
you know, uh, <laughs> Diana. What was you going to say? Celine. Celine. Yeah, Celine. 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 Okay. Hey, well, hold on. Celine. Correction. Salim Ashi. There you go. Salim Ashi Freeman, right? There you go. Yep. You got it. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, Salim Ashi Freeman. So, yeah, you had all of that. And then, you know, you had Tariq catching a body, killing Sebastian. Like, a lot happened in this episode. Like, it was, it was, it was crazy. Like, um, and I'll give them some leeway for, for, for it being the first episode because they do want to kind of set the stage um, so that they can do their storytelling, I guess. And that's why they moved through things at a rapid pace. But, you know, some of the things that happen, it just kind of makes it unbelievable that it would happen that quickly. You know, like Rich mentioned, the Zeke uh, memorial, like it's very unbelievable that, uh, you know, Diana would would get into the college and then, you know, that soon she she organizes this this whole, you know, Zeke thing. Um, and they have Lil Mo there and everything like, I mean, uh, OK, I know Tate's got connections so he can make some things happen if they ask him. But we didn't see, you know, any of that. So. I don't know. It just seemed like it happened real fast, like too fast. But and then all of them being in the same class seems a bit convenient to me. Um, but you know, I, I'll give them, I'll shoot them some bail this time because it is the first episode, um, and they do want to set up their stories and everything. So you know, I'll give them that. Um, I do think the the Braden and his family storyline, like the Westerns, that could be interesting, showing the whole corporate side of things, you know. Um, very like like Dana said, it's very like succession. You know, it, it reminded me a lot of succession because you've got the family empire business and stuff. So I'm I'm curious to see what they're gonna do with that moving forward, because they could do some interesting things there. Um, so yeah, uh final takeaway. You know, basically the whole Lauren thing, I find that's that's a very interesting reveal. And it just it just, you know, validates everything we, we've been saying over the past, you know, however many years where if you don't see the body, the character isn't dead and Ghost is alive, you know. So Ghost is coming back. It's going to happen. But <laughs> but sticking with Lauren. Um, yeah, like this is going to throw a spanner in the works for sure. Like this is going to uh, lead to some interesting twists and turns in this season, I think, particularly between um, Tariq and Effie and Brayden, because, you know, Tariq is under the belief that, you know, Lauren is, is, is dead. Um, and, you know, he's kind of believing what they've told him about the whole thing. Um, and, you know, come to find out she's alive and it seems like, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Jenny Sullivan, she's trying to build a case around this whole, like around Tariq and everyone. So, you know, she's going to try to, to, uh, flip Lauren, I guess, into, into a, a witness maybe. Um, so that could really blindside, you know, Tariq and everyone, you know, once, once that comes out, because I assume this has to come out at some point that she's alive. So I'm interested to see where they take that, you know, uh, that whole Lauren thing, the fact that she's alive, because the way they've set everything up, it's like, you know, to have this on top as well, the fact that Lauren is alive, like that, that's crazy. You know, there's a lot of different plot points, you know, a lot of moving parts now. So um, that was a, a nice little reveal at the end. Uh, this, you know, this, uh, 
episode felt very much like a movie in a sense like some of the things they did like and that was like a very movie kind of thing like the noma the noma introduction that was very much like a marvel kind of movie or something a movie scene and then you know the lauren reveal at the end you know that's like oh thanos is back you know it's like it's it's, it's just like a, a nice little you know um thing to kind of set up and and get us hooked for the next episode and the next you know few episodes or whatever so um i think they did a great job with that you know even though there, there, there's some some things that are questionable about the episode i do feel like they did a lot to kind of pull us in and get us excited for the season so you know i'll give them that and and the, the lauren thing was the cherry on top you know how they did that with her turning around and then you know she gives the line and everything so yeah they they did a good job with that and I can't wait to see what's next. But those are my takeaways. And uh, go ahead, Dana. What was you going to say? Yeah, I just wanted to say something really quickly. I know we kind of touched upon this before, but mm-hmm. Noma's introduction into the show really made me want that. I, to me, it treated this like a backdoor pilot to if we ever get the Power UK spinoff. I want her and I want Batman, Killmonger. Here's the thing with me. She didn't, she to me was not a villain in this episode. She came in as this was my fiance. Y'all stole my ring. Y'all killed my main, not even my main fiance dude man. My whole thing with the drugs. We saw how because he was connected with the informants and the fact that he was connected to the police, he kept the rivals away. So he did a lot more than just, here's selling some drugs. He did everything. So I would like to see what their enterprise setup looks like in the UK. What is that going to be? And also, she is not the villain. She came in there looking for answers. She's very direct. And you can kind of view this as the Thanos or the king of the power universe because they weren't villains either. They did what they thought was right. And with her, she thought she was being wronged. So she came to protect that. Even when she, her first thing when she came in was, why are you in this dude, my, my fiance's penthouse months after he died? Do you know how insulting that is to see somebody sit there and throw a party as if it's like a celebration and yet you're still in mourning? She did her mourning, and I know it's not fair to say I wish it was like because people grieve differently, but I kind of wish it was like, I wish Monet would have had that same kind of reaction to when Dante, when Zeke died. In terms of that sulking, we got more of a taking more control approach because she took full control. And if you're really going to place blame on anything, it's Davis who is the catapult to this whole thing, this whole season. If you really look at it, he was the one who fenced the diamonds. He wasn't acting on behalf of Monet or Tariq. His greed, and we talked about greed when he was in the classroom, his greed brought it, had him steal that diamond and to sell it at, what was it, Seville's, which is basically like a, a Sotheby's or a Christie's. So this is all his doing. And this made me really want to see whether or not there's going to be a showdown between him and Monet. 
uh, Noma, sorry. And then also another thing with the ring, I want to know when she got, when um, Noma got notification of when the ring was being moved and sold. We don't know the history of that ring or when it came into possession because to us, it seemed like he brought that ring for Monet, for my correction, right? Because it was in the finale. So we need to know the history of the ring because she thinks that it's hers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that could be another, uh, another like, thing that t- intensifies the beef between them. Like, you know, if that ring comes into play, if she sees her with that ring, you know, she might recognize and then it. Also, so. How many wives or other women does he have? Because if he, is he just picking up wives at any state he drops into? Or any country? Because she was about to be the fiance. She was his, the other girl was the fiance. Is it a sister wives situation? I think uh, the answer to that is Mecca is a very resor- uh, resourceful uh, individual. So uh, he keeps all options open, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it kind of uh, it kind of immortalizes Mecca's character a bit because now we see that he had some deep secrets, you know, that that we didn't even see at all. Like, and we know that. Um, what was the big twist about him? Like he was a government agent or informant or something like that. Yeah, he uh, was an informant. He was the informant. He was the informant. Yeah. yeah, he was an informant. So like, yeah, it's it's like he's got all these different connections and ties and things. So it kind of makes it it makes his character a bit more interesting, even after death, you know. Um, and having the new the new kind of antagonist be tied to him, I think, was a good move because. Yeah, because then Noma automatically kind of gets some of that steam from from Mecca because he was a great, you know, antagonist for the show last season. So he was a pure villain. Even after death, he's the villain. I yeah. told. And also, if you those who don't know what sweat equity is and why Bash was so angry about it, it was basically it say you have a startup company, right? And you'll take a lower salary with the hope that the company skyrockets and improves. So therefore, you will get a stake of the company, which is why a lot of people really got a huge payout when Facebook became really big and they they left their job was because they own stake in the company as opposed to here is this big salary. So you have to wait a while to see a return. If you even do see a return, it's a lot riskier, which was why Bash was very insulted by that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I'm, I'm like, I'm gonna be honest. I'm kind of glad they got that character out of there because that was an annoying character. Like, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of happy they got rid of him. But yeah. it does, it does make me wonder if we're gonna see Simon Stern ever again, though. If he's going to make a return, he has to because here's the thing. Even though it was perceived that Bash, what was it? They said Bash stole Stern's money and fled the country. Mm-hmm. That still is his son. So even though it may look like oh he fled, I think he will feel that something is wrong, and will start probably looking for answers. You said oh, son. 
You mean partner, right? <laughs> partner, partner, sorry, partner. Yeah, yeah. What is it? <laughs> yes, sorry, partner. Son of partner. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. So uh, I do have some questions, and I know Dana has a question actually as well. So uh, let me get through a couple of these, and then I'm going to head to Dana and get her, her question also, because, you know, we're having some great discussion already. So we're going to get right into this. So um, uh, which one do I start with, actually? Okay, so since we're already on, on uh, the subject of NOMA, like, so I guess we kind of already talked about this, but so do you think she is going to be a mainstay villain for the series now? Like, because previously, you know, we had kind of, we, we had like plugs and connects that kind of come into power for a season and then get taken out and then somebody else comes, you know, it happened with Mecca. It happened with, uh, what's his name? The Serb guy in, in the original power, you know, we've had a lot of connects come and go basically, but I could see her, you know, being around for a long time in this show. And then, you know, if they do do the power spinoff as well, she could be like the main catalyst for that. You know, if they do the UK spinoff, like, like it was rumored or rumored or whatever. So, but yeah, do you think that, you know, do you think she's just here for the moment and she will get killed off? Or do you think she is going to be around for a very long time now? Like, so uh, what do you think about that, Dana? Sorry, that's actually a really hard question. Um, I again, because to me, she's not the villain of the show. Um, if I was writing this, I would want them to, at the very end, for her the last two seasons, at most, I don't need her to be a staying part of this, at most two seasons, but I want that end credit scene with her, you know, maybe shaking. Tariq's hand or somebody's hand and then she goes off to the UK boom and then we have UK power so that to me I don't want her to die I want them to everyone come to an understanding they do their part she does their her part and that's it she leaves them alone and if there is ever the opportunity maybe a couple seasons later there's a little crossover episode where they go to the UK so I wouldn't have a problem with that, but I don't feel that she is someone who needs to stay long-term. She came in there with a purpose. This is my product, move it, and that's it. It wasn't like, you know, I own you for life. It was move it, you have 30 days to figure this out, and that, that should be the end of it. Okay. so. I want to uh, I want to go deep with you for a sec. So like, because, you know, I, I find your your take about her, um, you know, not being the villain very interesting. And there there is a lot of valid validity to that, because you can argue that all of these characters are bad people. So, you know, what makes her the villain? Right. So like that is a good take to have. But I want to uh, just go deeper with it with you and, and say, like, is there a character you then do think is the real villain of this show then? Or, you know, is that somebody else that you would actually categorize as the villain? Again, it goes with perception, because if you look at it as Monet looking at it, it would be when she finds out that it's Tahara, Lorenzo, it would be Lorenzo. He's the villain of it, even if you, you know, um, but then to other people, it would be Monet, Dennis Davis. But I don't feel that there is a 
solid villain villain right now. I feel that these are all people who are giving motive to the show, to the plot. But for someone to come out right, be like this evil, like for example, Lamar from BMF. To me, he was a villain. They can even argue, oh, he's trying to be a father to, to his daughter. But at the end of the day, his actions still made him villainous. From what we've just seen, and this is just one episode, she has not reached that status yet and unless she does something really grimy. I don't, I can't see her being all out villain. There's too much, she has so many, so far, too many textures to her story and there's still so many unknowns about her past. I can't see that and for right now, you, I can't, unless you want to argue that it would be Jenny and Blanca and maybe um, uh, Whitman, they're the villains because they're trying to take down the, the you know, the whole, in, they view it as an enterprise. They're trying to stop Tariq from surviving as well as the entire family, the Hottas, Brayden, everyone. And there could be casualties because of their willingness to get him so much. And we know Blanca carries over from the original power. She just won't go away. So to me, it would be those three who would be the actual villains. But of course, they don't view themselves as being the villains. They view them. They view everyone else as the villains. But for me, because the main protagonist of the show is Tariq, and they're trying to stop him, those are the villains. Okay, that's interesting. Um, and yeah, I, I can see because when you're dealing with a cast of bad people. I guess it's hard to, you know, really lay, like, maybe villain's the wrong word, you know, uh, maybe, like, villain is the wrong word for uh, Noma, but I, I do think she kind of is an antagonist of sorts, you know, not necessarily a villain, but an antagonist, and I say that just because she's forcing everyone to do things they don't want to do currently, like, because, you know, they didn't want to operate under her and sell, sell, you know, the drugs for her. Specifically, some of them actually wanted to get out the game. So I think just based on that, and then also she killed the innocent people at the start. But but that was because of, you know, she feels that she's been wronged, of course. So like you said, there's, oh, there's yeah. a motive. There's Those motive two. there. So, <laughs> Those two didn't have yeah. to die. They could have been bashed up the head. And even if you just left it at cutting off her hand and then like giving the guy a good punch, you could have still been all right. But then they saw your face and then that's complicated. So yeah. In that sense, yeah. they would be a villain, but I just thought it was a really great entrance. But but then you could say Tariq's a villain because, like, technically Sebastian could be an innocent. So you know that that uh -huh. is the term villain. That's kind of iffy, I guess. Um, but yeah, uh -huh. good. That's a good perspective, though. I want I want to hear what people think. Uh, Rich, do you have any thoughts on? So the question we're on is about Noma, and if you think that she's a mainstay villain. But you could also chime in on the villain thing too, you know, like whether you think there is a villain or, you know, whatever. So let us know what your thoughts. Well, I think both you and Dana made great points. Uh, I, I, I could understand why we, we, we wouldn't look at her as a villain. We just look at, like, like Dana said, this is somebody who is just coming back to get what's, what she feels is, is rightfully hers. So I'm, I'm totally okay with that. Um, to answer the question, though, Gary, you, you did say something earlier that I thought was very interesting that I do want to point out is that 
obviously, Wemeka is no longer a part of the show, right? But this character had a ton of secrets. We know that he was an informant. So by him being alive, he kept a lot of things at bay. The fact that this character, Noma, now comes out of the blue and was coming back for what she feels is her, hers, I think is important. But it also makes me feel as though there could be other people coming back because of a debt mm. that maybe Mecca owed to them. So to answer your question, I think the character is going to be around because I think that there's going to be some people coming back to get what they feel is theirs as well. And who knows, she may have to deal with those people as well. Maybe she may ha- may need the assistance of Tariq or the Tahadas or somebody else to help deal with whatever the other threats are. Because as you both pointed out, while she does have those people that are working for her that are very skilled, uh, I, I do think uh, there could be something coming that they don't anticipate. Because at this point, they've told us that Noma, she takes charge. She's going after for what, what she wants. And she was the one that was a surprise to all of us that came out of nowhere and is now coming back to take control. So for her to be surprised by someone else that Mecca d- didn't, didn't, refer, didn't tell her about, I think that's a possibility. Uh, but to answer the question, I do feel as though she's going to be around. I agree with what Dana said. I want to see them expand this into the UK because I do know that the people over at Stars, at least the people who are higher up, they do want to explore something having some type of UK presence with the show. I don't know how they how they get there, but introducing this character lets me know it is possible. So uh, we'll see what happens. But no, Dana, you, you had a question, so go ahead. I was thinking. So you know the term "eye for an eye." I was wondering the fact that. Zeke was kept from Lorenzo. Not Lorenzo. Zeke was kept from um, the dude who died, Dante. So the fact that he was kept from Dante and the fact that he really wasn't told that is your son and she made up all of these lies involving Zeke, would it be karma that now Noma is coming back? I'm the fiance. And now her, the, the kids will be involved in this situation. Had no had Monique not Monet told the truth from the beginning, all of this would have been kind of kaput. And instead, so Dante's thinking, well, you didn't tell me about my son. I'm not gonna tell you about my fiance. I'm just wondering. Yeah, that that's that's a good point. You know, this is this kind of is karma because. The same way, like at the moment, Lorenzo, he's kind of, you know, and he's trying to keep the secret that he killed Zeke. It's like, you know, Monet, it it all comes down to what Monet did before because she kept uh, the fact that Zeke was, you know, uh, Mecca's child a secret. So a lot of this is is kind of, you know, um, a reflection of like her actions, like what what she did kind of led up to this, you know. Um, and this, you could argue that this is karma for her, you know, her kids now uh, selling all the, the, the drugs for Mecca's real, you know, fiance. So, yeah, you could make that argument uh, that this is. So then therefore, karma. she's the real villain. She's the real villain of the show. Yeah, that, yeah there's a lot of people who feel like that. It's like, remember in the first season, we thought we all thought she was the villain. So. There's a lot of people who still feel that way that she is the real antagonist of this show. So, yeah, huh? um, could be that, and that's why I'm so interested to see when uh, Monet and Nomar actually meet. Like, because 
is clearly two, you know, very domineering, controlling, you know, women. Um, so that's going to be an interesting interaction, I think. Uh, I All agree. Right, I, just, I, I just will make a comment. I agree with the, both of the points that y'all said, but I, I will say this. I think Lorenzo was on borrowed time. That character will get taken out at some point this season because uh, once she finds out he has something to do with Zeke, that situation, you know, and obviously that is also an interesting dynamic in and of itself because Diana has the strongest bond with him. She already has a rocky relationship with her mother. So I will be very curious to see what happens if she does succeed in take out taking out Lorenzo. I mean, that's it's it's a lot of a lot of complexities that are going to be very interesting to see how they handle that from a storytelling standpoint. So we'll see what happens. To me, it feels like she hates her kids. She, like she legit hates her kids and she wished they were never born. That's just the vibe yeah. she gives off. I've never seen her look lovingly at her kid. It's always it, it, it does feel that way, and it also feels as though all of a sudden, all this emotion for Zeke in this episode is like, yeah, it does feel like she has put him on a higher pedestal than the others. Obviously, he's dead, so I understand her being sad about that, but it does feel as though, just like when we've seen in the past seasons, oh, he's going to the NBA. He's got to be successful. It's like she, she really put her emphasis on him and not so much her kids, so I agree with that 100%. Do we but then this makes me wonder... Oh, uh, not no, I was just going to say, it, it, it just made me wonder whether or not Monet even loves uh, Sahara because it seemed to me like, you know how you could say like a kid is a reflection of their father? So the fact that she put Zeke on such a high pedestal, she was always there for him. I was wondering if she was projecting the love that she had for Dante onto him. And so the way how she treats the other kids, it's kind of this animosity and anger towards them from season one. So I wonder if she's projecting that, that those feelings that she actually has for Sahara onto them. I Let me just say a quick comment. I, I do agree. That's a very good point. I do think that she, even if she does not love them the same way she loves Zeke, she still has compassion for them because we know like I said, if something was to happen to them, she would be impacted by that. Like you saw when, uh, you know, when, when it felt as though they, you know, something could have happened to, to Kane. If something happened to Kane, if something happens to Diana or or or, or Drew, especially with with the Drew character, because we already saw that he already got was was involved in that shootout in the previous season. So I kind of feel like if something was to happen to them, she's still going to be concerned about that. But obviously, she has a very special place in her heart for Zeke. Uh, with how she reacted to him getting killed. So, yeah, it's a, it's a complicated thing to have. It's complicated to really describe, but I kind of feel like she still would care about so, if something bad happens. She doesn't want to see anything bad happen to, to any of them. But Lorenzo, uh, yeah, this guy is in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To, just to answer that question quickly, because um, I feel like like they, they say that, you know, whenever... Um, parents have you know kids like if they have a few few kids like you know three or more or whatever like they they love them all equally but there's always that one that they have a, a very soft spot for and I feel like with Monet it definitely was Zeke now how much of that was 
because of the fact that she was trying to keep the situation secret too you know that could have a lot to do with it also where she was kind of giving him extra attention so that you know um to, to compensate i guess for the lies and stuff and you know some of that could also be because they did portray mecca as being like her childhood love kind of thing in the last season so i guess like dana you they like you were saying dana like that could be part of it too where she's projecting that you know childhood love that she had for mecca onto him also because she knew the truth all along that he was his child so yeah i think a lot of a lot of there's a lot of layers there but she definitely had a soft spot for zeke um over the rest i think so uh, that's what i would say but also one more thing like do we need to give uh do we need to give uh damn I'm forgetting names. Do we need to give what what's her the act, what's her name? The singer? Mary J. Blige, there you go. Do we need to give her some respect for showing a bit more emotion in this, like and doing a bit more with her acting? Because you know, she brought the tears on and everything. She broke down after she got the jersey, you know. <laughs> Do we need to give her a bit more credit for, for doing more with her acting? And her facial expressions, like. Uh, can I just make a comment? Go ahead. A- after watching the latest episode of BMF, yes, I give Mary J. Blige a lot of a lot of credit. So that's all I have to say. I'm not going to expand upon that. If you saw the last episode of BMF, you know exactly what I'm talking about with a certain actress. So that's all I'm going to say. It. I'll say it. I'll say it, young Miami. Please take some lessons. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> But, but, but then the question, he went there. But then the question remains, look, just because you're not young Miami, you're still not. And I say this with love. I don't know if it's the acting or the writing or the directing with her character. I feel that she's still playing it monotone and one note. Yes, you can have the crying and the screaming, but it's still... That's okay. Remember how it opened with that sulking and she's watching Judge Faith on TV and she's just the whole time and I don't want no food. I'm not hungry. To me, it still seems like the same one note from season one. And for me, I just want, you know how we've seen character growth with all of the different characters. We saw different emotions and we're growing with the characters. If you take Tariq, Right? Even from just season one to now, he's grown, not just in skill, but also the character's growth. And I originally, I thought, well, it's because her husband is in jail and she has to keep the family together. And that's always that paranoid feeling of losing someone because she lost her husband to the system or she lost other people to death. But now that the husband is out and, and, there was that moment of happiness that she had when, when they was reunited at the dinner table. It's never changed. It's just the same note. And yeah, you can yell and scream and you can cry in the corner holding a jersey like it's one of the, the American flags after a memorial service. But I just wanted more and I still want more from her. I want it to be not overacting and not underacting just make it natural and i hope that we get to that point with the character but for me 
she is a step above Young Miami for the show. I say that with love. Please don't oh, tell yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, not yeah. I, I agree. But um, you know, maybe maybe she's she's trying to, you know, we I guess we gotta watch more of this season to see if she improves, but you know, maybe she's trying to, to, yeah. to get a little better. So But we'll we were see. on season three. We were on season three now. <laughs> yeah. How much more waiting? Is it like five? Is it six? <laughs> maybe the finale? <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess we'll wait and see. But um, so let's get through some more questions real quick. So um, so with Lauren, you know, being alive now and everything, like this is this is a major moment because we know that Tariq has kind of been brooding over her for a little bit. You know, it kind of hit him a little bit when he learned that you know she she passed away or whatever. Um, and he's kind of, it seems like he's been dealing with that psychologically a little bit still. So now that she is alive, you know, I wanted to ask you guys, like, how, how might this affect Tariq's journey on, in, in this season, you know, because this could go so many ways because we see right now that Tariq and Effie are very close, you know, so Lauren being alive could fracture that, that relationship and then, you know, also Tariq might find that he still has feelings for her. Like he, when he discovers she's alive, he might be like, wow, you know, she, she, she's still alive. Like, you know, there's still a possibility of me escaping this life and being with her. And, you know, it might awaken some feelings in him. So, um, you know, but there's also the fact that uh, uh, Jenny Sullivan she is actually trying to use Lauren as a, as a means to take down Tariq and, and everyone else. So she is kind of a thorn in his side now. You know, she's kind of dangerous for him. So how is this going to, you know, affect his journey now uh, moving forward, do you think? And I'll, I'll go to you first this time, Rich. What do you think? Well, let me start by saying uh, I think this is an excellent story for them to dive into this season. We know last season – that when all this stuff was happening with Tariq, Lauren, you know, she was involved in this whole situation of getting him thrown into prison, but she never ever knew what was happening. This is something where she was being used by, by, uh, you know, Carrie Milgram. Uh, so obviously she didn't know that this was happening. So, and then when it did, when she did find out, she was trying to correct it, but she has basically been the only one that has been in his corner yeah, we can say the same for Effie and Braden as well, but she's really been there in his corner trying to she, – she, she never suspected he did any, anything wrong. So I kind of feel like as this season goes on, you have – eventually she's going to have to come to a revelation of does she want to turn against Tariq or is she going to continue to believe everything is all right with him? That's one question. The other thing is that we know that when Effie and Braden supposedly took out uh, her – they also were telling Kane this entire time, oh, yeah, she's dead. When Kane finds out that she's alive, this creates a dynamic of that whole situation being an issue as well. Because, you know, Kane has been very flirtatious with Effie, trying to get close to Effie. And we see that continuing in this episode here. So it really is a trust issue that's going to be a, a problem, first and foremost, with Tariq, because he's going to want to know the truth of what really happened with Lauren, who was involved. And I kind of feel at some point, because they did show in the season trailer 
Effie having a very serious conversation with Tariq. He did not look happy as they were having that conversation. So my assumption is eventually they're going to have to tell him what happened. But then the whole thing with Kane wanting her taken off the board because she had that wire. Well, we already know that eventually at some point it will be a confrontation between Kane and Tariq. We have been talking about that happening since the beginning of this show because you know that both characters do not do not like each other. That yes, they will work together, but they do not like each other. Now, if Kane was to go after Lauren, now this is an interesting situation here for Tariq, right? Because he doesn't want to see that happening. He considers Lauren innocent. So I can't wait to see how they tell this story throughout the season. Because again, Kane will find out at some point. And the question is going to be, well, who is he going to blame for that? Is he going to come after Braden? He can come after Braden, sure. Can he come after uh, you know, Tariq as well? I mean, it's 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 I don't know how they're going to tell the story, but I just want to say. It's going to be very interesting to see how this all comes together because it's a question about trust, loyalty, so on and so forth. And uh, it may not end the way that we think it's going to end, but uh, let's see what happens for sure. But I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Dana, any any thoughts on that, on Lauren, and how it might affect Tariq? Yeah, Richard was right. I think there's going to be a big implosion because you have, you know, Tariq and Lauren was very connected and he's, he's literally being made to feel guilty. Well, you can't even say being made to, but he feels guilty and he is holding, he feels like he is responsible for her death, right? You have the fact that Effie and Brayden are lying to him. Those are his close friends. Kane's involved because even though while Kane did not directly lie to Tariq, at least I don't think he did, um, he knows the truth and he's going to be upset that Brayden and Effie didn't actually kill her. But then you have Lauren is alive. She has regained full consciousness and her memory. She knows who tried to kill her. So she's going to tell Tariq that if they ever do have that reunion. She's going to tell him that. And I strongly believe he's going to take her side no matter what. You know, this is when we had the whole comparison with, what was it, Angela and Tasha. And I feel that she she could be hit Tariq's Angela in this situation. And as we know, he always chose Angela over Tasha, even in death. You know, I think they were smiling when, when, you know, when he died, Angela was like, yeah, now he's mine. Um, so I do genuinely feel that he is going to pick um, Lauren over Effie, maybe even Brayden. So this whole situation is going to just implode. And then on top of that, that used to, the problem comes in with Lauren, whether or not she wants to testify. And remember, the whole thing is to bring up charges against Tariq. But we do know if there's a situation where she can testify against Brayden and Effie, she's going to take that. So this further tears them all to part, apart. And I don't know right now whether or not you can come back from that. We've seen Super Friends come back multiple times on the original Power. But is this something that is just completely unforgivable? I don't know. And then also... Braden, I think, will be fine because we kept hearing the Western name, the Western name, and it was a whole quote about, you know, using your power. So I think he would be fine. 
but the other ones, they won't be. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he'll be fine. And, um, yeah, you said something that I, I very much agree with, um, and that is I do think that the Lauren character might end up being uh, Tariq's Angela. Like, I think that his his heart has chosen her. So I do think that if he should find out that she's alive, and that is possible because, you know, you have characters like Sax and uh, Davis McQueen who could find out what Jenny is up to, and they could uh, pass that information back on Tariq, to Tariq, and then um, Tariq might actually try to get to her or go looking for her or something of that nature. And, you know, if he manages to find a way to, to, to talk to her or get to her, he could, I, I believe he could talk her out of, um, you know, being a witness and, and helping Jenny and stuff. So I do think that it, it's absolutely possible that those two characters could get back together and become like the main power couple kind of thing. Um, and I feel like with Effie, Effie is a bit shaky anyway at the moment because like she has some chemistry with Kane, it looks like. You know, those two characters are kind of like flirty. It looks like something might develop there. I don't know. But I, I just I just feel like Tariq likes Effie, but I feel like his heart isn't there like it is with Lauren. I think Lauren is is the one that, you know, he would I, ideally like to be with. So I could see something like that happening later on. But um yeah, so Dana, you mentioned before that you had a question for us about this as well. So uh, let's get so to your question. I would, one of the things that, you know, I love power and I love power universe, but I love this, this series. But one of the things that I was wondering, with the fact that the characters are growing and we've seen that Tariq is trying to separate himself from his father and trying to become his own man, even though that's not what people want him to be. And he's fighting really hard against that. Is it appropriate that the show continues with the same theme song? Because that was his father's theme song. That was the original Power Universe. So while it was great for season one, two, and three, if he does continue on his path by completely separating himself from Ghost and being his own man, should we go forward with the same theme song? That, that's a great question. That is an, <laughs> an absolutely amazing question. And I have an answer for that because... <laughs> You know, I am a huge 50 Cent fan. So, like, you know, any any of the latest news topics about 50 Cent, I'm the person to come to. Because, you know, I, I'm, I'm a super fan. So um, there was a whole fiasco about this where 50 did want to change the theme song. And he did actually do it in, in the final season of uh, Original Power. Remember, he changed the theme song to Trey, Trey songs, um, which was probably a bad choice, come to think of it. But yeah, um, yeah. He, he intended that to be the new generation of power. Now, I have a critique of 50 on that because he should have waited until book two goes started to, to, to change it. Like he, should, <laughs> he shouldn't have debuted it at the end of the original power. Like I think that was the wrong move. But yeah, he, he, uh, he, he agrees with you. He, he believes that, you know, because this now is Tariq's journey that the, the song should be different. But because so many people complained about the song, that's why they flipped it back and and he said oh now you're gonna you're gonna be stuck with this song forever now um but i, I feel like they could I, I feel like book two season one was the perfect time to change it honestly like they should have they should have just did it go ahead 
because one of my things is if you look at the lyrics, you know, it talks about the big rich town, how he comes from the smallest part and that he's just poor. That is not Tariq's story. He came from money. He came from affluence and power. You can even say he's caring or even he, what his father did is now supporting him now. You know, never once have we seen him living in the projects like Canaan had to do. Learning from, from scratch everything and working hard, you know, the same way that Canaan had to do. It's not the same. Remember, his father wanted him completely out of this. He removed himself from this, but he made that choice to do it. So then that's where I'm wondering, to change the song completely, because the lyrics don't suit Tariq's experience, nor his history. So, yeah. Richard? Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think it is the right time. But go ahead, Rich. What's your, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, I agree 100%. And, and I do, first and foremost, yeah, I do agree. That's an awesome question. I do agree that if they were going to change it, it definitely should have been the first season of uh, this show. Um, if they do change it in the future, my guess it will be the next best opportunity will be after, if, if slash after Tariq actually graduates from Stanfield and now he's going into the real world as, you know, on his own. I could see them changing it at that point if the show lasts past that period. Uh, by the way, we do know that it did get greenlit for season four, so I guess it is possible. I mean, I don't know. They can accelerate that yeah, if they want to. Uh, but uh, I, I definitely think, it, yeah, they should change it for the reasons you said, because this is a different type of character. It's not ghosts. But I also feel like the stars execs know that about the history of the power show and they may not want that song to change because you know obviously they they, they have a say in this as well uh, I, I would assume but uh I, I think they definitely should change it especially because this is a different character entirely but they probably won't go in that direction i guess we have to wait and see yeah. i think they will change it again because we know that 50s kind of step back a little bit at stars like he's still doing some stuff there but yeah. His role has been reduced and he's taken on other things. So I wouldn't be surprised if now they change the music direction completely, you know, because he's he's on all the songs and stuff. So um, they might, you know, they might decide to change it. I, I feel like for this show, they, they could definitely do that. You know, like Dana said, the, the lyrics don't match up to his journey. So I, I do think... Mm -hmm. Is the time? It's a it's a great song. It's a classic song. Like I have it mm -hmm. on my spot, my but, Spotify playlist. I have it on there. But, but but you see, but you see what you just said, Gary. When we started this podcast, you said as soon as you heard that song, oh, it's great that Power is back. Mm -hmm. And I kind of feel like a lot of fans have that same feeling. That's why I don't know if they're going to change it, but I I do agree they should change it at some point. I, I think they should for sure. Yeah, I think yeah. True. From a business standpoint, that makes sense because they're banking off of people feeling that way about the show, like nostalgic. You know, they want people to have that feeling, that attachment to it. Um, so that maybe that's why they don't want to yet. But um, I do feel like eventually it's it's going to be much needed if they continue doing the show. Yeah, they, this will be a good one to get the people's take on too. Like I want I want the people to chime in. Let us know what you think about. The theme song um because yeah that is that was a great question right there um and 
I guess I'll, I'll just throw in uh, one quick, you know, extra question uh, real quick. You know, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but I just thought it was something uh, interesting to talk about. So uh, there's been a lot of buildup with Davis and McLean. You know, they kind of, they were very mysterious about his brother, you know, in the last season. They kind of, you know, they, they threw in the fact that something's going on with his brother. And, you know, we thought, oh, this might be a big deal later on, you know, and they're still kind of, they're using it. Now they've kind of explained more about it and the fact that he has the hepatitis, you know, uh, uh, what was it, Dana? It was hepatitis C and D or something? B and, no, it was B and D. So remember, because he has B, he would normally get a transplant, or he needs a liver transplant, cirrhosis, but because he has D, he is not eligible for the transplant. Right. Exactly, yeah. So they they explained that in this episode. And I thought that was an interesting uh, story, actually, a story point. But I have a little critique with, with Davis's character, you know. And, you know, it's, it's not really a, a critique <laughs> with the writers. It's more of his character, you know, um, in general. Um, I feel like, why is he trusting Sax with this? Like, he should be, like, dealing with this himself. Like, why is he telling Sax to, to work on this? Like, <laughs> uh, I feel like that's, uh, a, if this is your brother, like, you should be the main one putting in that work to, to, to try and, you know, figure out what to do. Go ahead, Rich. Uh, I agree. And to answer that question, because now I'm going to pretend that I'm a writer for this show. Uh, <laughs> we have to create conflict, Gary, because Sax already has this complicated relationship with Jenny Sullivan, right? Jenny Sullivan wants Davis to get taken down. So they did this specifically to create conflict. So make you wonder, is Sachs going to, is he going to back Davis or is he going to turn on Davis? So I, this is a plot device to move the story forward. That's what I would say as a writer, of course. That's what, But I agree, uh, they need to explain that a, little, a lot further. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that is the reason, like, they, they want to create that conflict between the characters and stuff, but it just it just felt really weird to me because he's like he's like sitting at the computer doing work and he's like oh sax uh fix this problem with my brother so like basically all of that work you're doing right now is more important than your brother like okay but yeah go ahead dana well it's, it's a weird complication that kind of goes back to their rivalry i believe in the first season or maybe the second season where they both don't kind of respect each other but they need each other um and you can always see that they're they're they it's just two opposites that are just forced to be with each other. And so the fact that I, it's kind of to me, it came across that, you know, Davis views Sax as his underling and they do it with each other as well. It goes vice versa. He views him as his underling and he does have other things to worry about, including that diamond ring that I hope does come into play with Noma later on. He doesn't know who she is, which kind of made me really disappointed because I wish he would like have a spark of, oh, I know what I did. Oh, I screwed up. But it wasn't the case. But the point is, he views him as his underling. So have him do all of the dirty work, as I say, because it keeps him clean. Remember, yes, right now he's working in a legal space in terms of trying to find a legal way to get his brother out of jail. Um, remember the paperwork was redacted and he's trying to get this stuff unredacted. So I feel that he is going to be work very legal with this and straightforward, but at the same time, 
two heads are going to be better than one. So while he is, while Sachs is working with the redacted stuff, I do see Davis trying other avenues to get his brother out. Remember, we had the trial. Well, he talked to his friend about getting into the drug trial. So you have to see what are the qualifications that you meet. We already know he has to get him out of custody. So I feel that he's going to work with this as well as Sachs. But remember, Sachs doesn't fully know everything. But I do feel that this is not something that he's going to just completely hand off to Sachs. But he's going to make him do the paperwork because they don't respect each other. It's like this ongoing joke that they have with each other. Yes, Richard? Oh no! I, I was going to say no. I agree 100% with everything you said. <coughs> the other thing I was going to mention, to take a line from uh, our good friend, Mr. Gary Swaby, blind arrogance. That will be what gets Davis caught in the end. <laughs> because what we also know from Davis in the past is that when he approached his brother, Theo Rollins, about getting him out, remember what Theo said, you need to be careful because you could end up in here too. And again, trusting Sachs, we know that, that Jenny Sullivan believes that Davis is a part of this organization started with Tariq, Braden, and Tejadas. So when Davis goes down, they're going to expose what his other secrets are. Again, we know the character has a grimy past. They didn't really dive into all of that stuff in the show. Obviously, he's messed around with some other, you know, Carrie Milgram, the, all that other stuff. But there's other more to the character we do not know that they haven't really dived into. We know he was unfaithful in his marriage, so on and so forth. But there's more to the character about him having a, a past as far as committing crimes. All of that will come to a head once they are able to try and examine this case further. So I kind of feel like, and again, he the way he was talking with Saxon in, in this episode where he's telling, yeah, get on it. You need to do this immediately. Very pushy, very arrogant. The character feels as though nothing bad can happen to him. That's why I feel something is going to happen to him as far as him getting exposed as the season goes on. But I just wanted to make a point of that because I think I feel like that's definitely coming towards this character at some point. Go, 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 go ahead, Dana. I would like to counter your point with Sax is untrustworthy. And I yeah. honestly believe that he needs Davis more than without him. Because while he may seem like he is helping Jenny build this case against Davis, I do feel that he is playing double agent with this. He is going to probably, if not now, later on, run off to Davis and explain something. Because it, what, to me, what was really telling, remember the conversation that he had in the apartment with Jenny? And Jenny said, very bluntly, um, are you playing me, Sax? Sachs never answered the question. Instead, he said, ah, come on. He never answers questions that he knows he, he can't lie to. So I think that this is still, they're going to still have a partnership. And I don't think that it's going to be Sachs who continues to lead to Davis's um, downfall. I just can't, I can't see it. They're both two dirty people who need each other to scrub each other's dirt. That's an interesting take because I am wondering because Sax is kind of in the middle of things a little bit and it's like he could either betray uh, Davis or Jenny. So I am kind of wondering who he's going to pick and he could end up picking Davis like, you know, and and uh, and basically uh, flip on, you know, Jenny. So 
Yeah, that would be interesting to see. Uh-huh. And we know Sax is a slimy character. We've seen him do, you know, questionable things in the past. So, yeah, that would be interesting. But, um, but yeah, uh, any more thoughts on this episode, this premiere episode, before we uh, end off here now? Like anything that we I didn't get to yet? I don't trust Salim Asa Freeman. Um, he's a TA. <laughs> so the, so why, why are you looking at these? I don't know what age he is, but he seems to be much mature than the other ones. And even though it may be legal, I don't trust him. He seems like he may, he seems like he could be the carry of this uh, season. Just messing with all of the students. I, I'm glad you made a comment about that. It feels like they, they're trying to say something because of the teachers and the, the assistants messing around with the students because this happened in the past. Uh, he's not a teacher's assistant. He's also a student assistant because I assume that he is going to he is going to eventually get closer to Diana. You know, he had that whole weak line that he had to her at a, 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 a memorial service, by the way. So very disrespectful of, of Zeke, by the way. But uh yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what happens with this character, but uh, yeah, this is obviously I feel like going to be some type of love interest for Diana, and I don't know if Tariq would get jealous. I, I mean, I don't know how they're going to handle that situation, but they set that up as somebody that's going to be very flirtatious and try to get close to her. And uh, he doesn't really know her, so he's in for a wake-up call when he finds out who her family is and all this other stuff, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And I, one other thing... You go. No, no, go. Go, go. I was just going to say, I I agree with uh, Dana a little because, um, like, I don't trust him because he comes off a little smug and pretentious. So, like, I feel like, you know, there's, he's got some some kind of secrets or he's going to be an annoying character uh, in the end. But I do believe he's going to get close to Diana. So, I wonder how that will uh, affect the story. But uh, what was you going to say, Dana? No, my other point I was going to simply make was the fact it goes to another character. Um, and, oh, I just lost the character's name. Oh, so we do know this from the trailer that you, we know that Davis is running again. So yay for him. I really wish that they just gave him a spinoff show. But whatever. We have force. You, 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 you mean um, Tate. Tate. I said Davis by mistake. Sorry. Tate. I meant Tate. Um, we do know this from the trailer is that in order for him to run, he has to change his image. Professor Bennett seems more of a, and I don't know this other woman who was on his arm, but they, she looks more image approachable in terms of the nice wife, highly educated. She's teaching at this Ivy League school. And again, I don't know who this other woman is yet, but image-wise, she would make for a better wife than say this new woman that is on his arm. So I wonder if there's going to be any kind of tension between the three of them. Really, they, we know that him and then and Haley, uh, I think it's Haley, have chemistry or you know something in the past as well. So this can be something that's also in play that I look forward to see. And shout out to to, to Tate for still running for something. What he lost like what twenty times by now. And he was shot at. Yeah, I feel, I feel like he's been running ever since the character was uh, in power, like the original one. Like he's been running for something. <laughs> but, yeah, 
But I, I do wish he did get his own show as well. I agree. Like it would have been interesting to watch that, like a house of cards with with Tate. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, there, there's definitely some chemistry. I mean, well, there's some history. I mean, with uh, the Harper Bennett character, because we see, you know, the two of them had that exchange at the memorial and stuff. So um, I wonder how they're going to play into that um, and if it will impact uh, Harper Bennett's work at the school, you know, and, and the classroom and stuff. So <laughs> mm-hmm. this will have to and also. Mm-hmm. Also, what is what is going on with Brady's sister? I think you know we introduced her for a reason, and and while we know you know she had prejudices coming into that's when we had the whole Google me Google works both ways scene. Um, I wonder how she is going to come into play with this. Is she going to you know become the next Brady? Uh, is she going to work more with uh, Diana? I don't know. I, I'm interested to see how that works. We know that, you know, the, her and her mother have different ways of viewing certain situations. So is she the voice of reason? Is she the one who gets to read back into the family? I just don't, I want to know what's going to happen with that character more. And also it was really cute that, remember in the scene when everybody was doing the coke and the, one of the guys said to him, oh, you don't, you, what is it? You only, you don't do your product. You only sell it, something to that effect. And that's when Trace stood up and cursed him out. <clears throat> so it's really nice to see that <clears throat> even though they argue, he still stands up for his brother and no one comes between him. So that was very nice. Quick comment. Shout out to the actor that plays Trace because he has been listening to some of the stuff that we've been saying on this show. So uh, we'll see what happens to that character. But uh, if he come there, Kane, uh, he's a dead man. So uh, stay tuned. <laughs> well, uh, stay away from Kane. But um, yeah, they. I, I like that they're making the Western family a bit more interesting. Like you know, especially with putting the sister in the class as well. Uh, even though it was a bit unbelievable that they, they would all end up in the same class together, but um... no, no, legacy. <laughs> Remember, legacy kids get more of a right yeah. than say you and I. Remember, they own half of the university, so they can go anywhere. This is true, but also to go to Gary's point, uh, you have to remember, Gary. This is the only class that actually happens at the campus because we have never seen any other classes happen. So that's why it makes sense for her to be in there, I guess. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, it's, it's the only class they got in, in the whole college. So, so, okay, yeah, that makes sense. If it's just one class, then, yeah, they, they would all be there. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what they're going to do with that character uh, in the season like because they could go so many ways with that, like, you know. So, yeah. But, uh, Rich, was there anything else that you wanted to bring up about the episode that we kind of didn't touch on? Oh, no. I thought it was a good episode. Uh, I know there was a few critiques. But, again, I'm looking at this from an entertainment standpoint. I was entertained, so I can't say that it was a bad episode. It is 1,000% better than Power Force, though. And I will continue to say that until I see a good season of Power Force. But, I'm rooting for you, Joseph Sakura, if you're watching this. So let's see what happens. <laughs> Joseph Sakura, it was all them. Don't put me into this. It was all them. <laughs> no, like, what, one thing I'll say, like Joseph Sakura has never been the problem. Like he is 
he is no. excellent playing Tony. You know, I mean, playing Tommy. You know, he's he is phenomenal. Like at playing that character, um, but it's just the writing of that show that was the problem. Like that, that whole, you know, it's just yeah. But book two, so far, promising. Um, I have I have a few worries about it, but I, I you know, I'm I'm gonna stay stay quiet for now and just see how it plays out. Um, but yeah, this this episode was great for a premiere. They did a lot. You know, they 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 uh we we saw the characters that we've come to to grow with and and know, um you know come back again and and we're introduced to like new challenges for them and new storylines and new plots and development. So all of that was great. Um, so yeah, that is going to be our our review for this week. Um, definitely chime in in the comments. Don't forget to you know. Uh, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, check out some of, some of our other content, you know, hit the bell icon also. Um, and, you know, we, uh, uh, do you, first of all, do you have any shout outs, Dana, before we get out of here? Thank you to everyone who listens to us, who likes what we do, our podcast. Uh, it's really fun doing these because the show is actually really good. So uh, thank you for that. I hope we are entertaining to you as much as we entertain ourselves. So once again, thank you. And, and thank you all for this continued support. I know BMF is wrapping up over on Entertainment Channel. We have a whole bunch of slew of BMF re, um, interviews as well as reviews of the show. So you can check those out. I believe this finale is next week. Is next week. So the same day this would premiere. Uh, so. Stay tuned to that, and I'll break down of the finale episodes as well as more interviews. And we, of course, between the three of us, we will have more videos coming out on both channels. So Last of Us is also, no, you guys wouldn't see this because Last of Us went along and came on. But yay for Last of Us and that premiere. That that, that finale sure was great. Yeah, definitely. Uh, de- definitely take the time to check out the other channels. You know, the gaming on the gaming channel, we got the Last of Us reviews. On the, uh, the entertainment channel, we got the BMF reviews and the interviews and everything like that. So make sure you guys go check that out. And uh, Snowfall Aftermath is also, you know, here on the main, main channel. So, um, you know, a lot of great, great shows out at the moment. So it's a good time to to be into, you know, TV shows and entertainment. Um, Rich, do you have any final shout-outs? Uh, pretty much the same. I thank everybody for their continued support. Definitely uh, check out the entertainment channel because, you know, Dana and I have been doing the BMF reviews, but she's also been interviewing the cast, and she has quite a bit of other interviews coming. So definitely check out that content, support it, and leave your comments because we definitely want you guys to keep letting us know what you think about BMF. And as Gary mentioned, uh, him and I started recapping the final season of Snowfall on this channel. We'll be recapping the next episode this upcoming week, so stay tuned for that. But yes, thank you all for your continued support, and uh, we look forward to coming back to talk about more power next week. For sure, and I hope we see some of the uh, you know the old faces you know um, in in the in the comments you know Enga and everyone like. I uh, can't wait to see what they think of uh, the new power and everything. But um, yeah, we will be back next week. Until then, take care of yourselves, stay healthy, and uh, we'll see you then.
Peace out.